Amen. Well, good morning. I can officially finally look at you and say, Happy New Year. <laughs> it's good to see you here this morning. It is a, a happy new year. I pray that it's that way for you. I wonder, are you a, are you a goal maker? Are there goal makers in the house? You make goals? Everybody's like, no, not a way, no way. You gave up on that the last 10 times that you've made? No. I mean, some are goal makers and some aren't, right? But, but yeah, actually, everybody's a goal maker. I mean, when you go to bed at night, you, you uh, set the little thing next to you, either tell it to wake you up or you set it. That, that's a goal. I want to get up in the morning, so I'm going to set that clock. That's a goal. You, you might decide I'm only going to touch it three or four times and tell it to give me a few more minutes. Give me a few more minutes. Anybody a snooze buttoner? You're not a snooze buttoner. You just wake up as soon as four o'clock hits, doesn't it? I mean, it just pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's how some guys at the prison and then working in that public area, you know, you just wake up anyway. But some of us have to set a clock. When you do that, you're making a goal. You going to make goals this year? You, you all here? Everybody's here. Happy New Year. All right. Well, this week, many of you may be considering what was good in your lives over the past, you know, 2019. You might even look back, you know, we just finished a decade. Can you imagine that? Uh, to, uh, to 2010, 2020, I mean, that's like, that's like 10 years I can do math in my head. You know, and, and we just finished 2019 and we can look back and we might be looking over our lives and, and, and thinking about what kind of changes that we could appropriate in our lives to make for a better 2020 or, or a more productive or more spiritual or healthier. We, some of us have a run coming up in March and I'm thinking this, this isn't going to be good for me. I just found my lost pick. That's awesome. Sometimes I take these as a communion wafer. That's not a good idea right there. It's like, wait a minute. But uh, no, um, you know, we want to we look at our lives and say, Lord, how would you... What would, kind of changes would you like to make in me? I, I do it every year. I can't help it. I don't know what it is about coming. You know, we, we look forward to Christmas and have Christmas Eve and we light our candles and we open our presents and we have a great time with family. And then this 26th hits and the 27th, and I start thinking. I start thinking about the church and my life and, and our family and where are we at and where are my kids and where are we going? What have we done in the church? Has it made any difference? And are we going to do anything different this year? Or are we just going to have Easter and then go to camp? Goose, you're going to go to camp again and then we're going to have, we're going to have uh, uh, our, our fall festival and, and I'll be right back around at Christmas again. And I think in my life, I'm thinking, Lord, is that what you want? Those are good things. Nothing wrong with those things. We'll keep doing those things. But, but is there something beyond that? Is there something uh, that you're going to do that's different this year that will make me more like you, that will make me, uh, help me to be what you want me to be? I don't know. You might call it self-improvement. I suppose there's, there's that. There's the physical, but there's the spiritual also. Lord, I want to be closer to you than I was last year. I wasn't not close to you last year, but I want to be closer this year. Do you have goals like that? Good. A myriad of changes will be considered in what some call resolutions. I don't call it that anymore. I've resolved to not call it a resolution. Oh, wait, I just resoluted, didn't I? Spiritually speaking, are there any practices that will strengthen my walk with God? What might I add or subtract? And we are Americans living in Tehachapi, California, 
I'm going to guess that there's some physical things that I can subtract and some really great spiritual things that I can add. I'm just speaking for me. I'm sure you're already there, but I, I know for me, uh, I'm blessed. Uh, I'm, a, I'm so blessed. I, I don't deserve it. It's never it, that kind of grace that we have in our lives. It's unmerited. I don't deserve it. It's, it shouldn't be mine, but God just keeps blessing, and it just makes me want to go to my knees and say, thank you, Lord. I, I don't deserve any of it, and you keep giving me great people to get to know and love and care about, and, and I get to have fellowship with, with you, and, and I get to come to this church every day. You don't know what you're missing. Carrie does. <laughs> I get to come here every day and take care of broken gutter. And did you see our gutter? Isn't that nice? It doesn't work anymore the way it's designed. But what might I add or subtract that will assist in my spiritual growth of becoming a light that shines, a light that, that cuts through the darkness? We live, it's a great world. God designed it but lots of it's pretty dark. There's some darkness going on in our world. Did you watch news last week at all? There's darkness that goes on in our world. I'm talking about um, uh, uh, spiritual darkness. And how can we become more of a light that shines in that darkness? How different or more light-giving will the people of God be to the general world, a world that seems to prefer the darkness? Now, darkness is is conveyed as, as light, as this, what will solve the problems of our world. Darkness is given to that, and people celebrate the darkness. They prefer the darkness. So often when we're wanting to decide how to progress forward, we, we absolutely have to go back to the beginning sometimes, right back to the very foundation, the very beginning. So uh, the Gospel of John makes one of the most powerful observations in Scripture in our text this morning out of John 1 through 18. And I want you to hear the Word of God, and it's going to come across your screen in the NASB because I, I just, out of habit, I, I put it in that way. But I, I began reading out the Amplified translation this last week, and it was really an interesting way there, there's some brackets there that we're not adding to the word. We're just expounding on it to give more color uh, so that we could kind of get a, a sense of what the words are saying here. And so you'll hear it that way, but you'll see it in the NASB. It just says this, in the beginning. So that would be the very start. <laughs> it, back when it all began, in the beginning, before all time was the word, Christ, capital W, Christ. And, and the word was with God and the word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. I asked him at first service, you like that chair you're sitting on? <laughs> I said, God made that. Now, he didn't design your chair, but everything that was, there was nothing, and everything that was created was created in, in him. In him was life and the power to bestow life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it or, or overpower it or appropriate it or, or, or absorb it, and it is unreceptive to it. There came a man commissioned and sent from God whose name was John. This man came as a witness to testify about the light, capital L, light, so that all might believe in, in Christ the light through him. John was not the light, but came to testify about the light. 
There it was, the true light, capital L, light, the genuine, perfect, steadfast light, which coming into the world enlightens everyone. He, Christ, was in the world and through the world was made through him. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was which was his own, that which belonged to him, his word, his creation, his possession, and those who were his own people, the Jewish nation. It says the people and then dash the Jewish nation. His own people, the Jewish nation, did not receive and welcome him. But as many, you know this one well, but as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name, who were born not of blood, natural conception, nor of the will of the flesh, the physical impulse, nor of the will of man, that of a natural father, but of God, that is, a divine and supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. And the word Christ became flesh and he lived among us and we actually saw his glory. Glory as belongs to the one and only begotten son of the father, the son who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. John testified repeatedly about him and has cried out, testifying officially for the record with validity and with relevance. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me, this is John speaking, he who come after me has a higher rank than I and and has uh, priority over me for he existed before me for out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth. We have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses, but grace the unearned, undeserved favor of God, the truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God, his essence, his divine nature at any time, the one and only begotten God, that is the unique son who is in the intimate presence of the father. He has explained him and interpreted and revealed the awesome wonder of the father. The word of God for God's people. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you for the writer here, how much information is given about what you did so long ago. The light that has come to bring us light. John wasn't the light. He just gave witness to the light. Lord, may we become more of the light that you've designed us to be. And we'll just want to give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was Jesus. It was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing or was anything made that was made. Everything was created by God. In Him was life, and that life was the light, it says, of men. And the light shines in that darkness, and the darkness it says, comprehended it not in the King James. The Moffat translation, it says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not mastered it. The NIV, it says it this way. It says, the darkness has not understood it. 
Perhaps the most comprehensive statement is found in the Amplified Bible here, which I read. And it it says, the light shines in the darkness, for the darkness has not overpowered it, put it out, has not absorbed it, has not appropriated it. It, it, It's unreceptive to it completely. This version provides one of the most definitive statements of this passage, for the darkness has not overpowered the light. It hasn't put it out or absorbed it or appropriated it, and it is thoroughly unreceptive to that light. You you see, light and darkness play a really important role in our lives, both in the physical and and the spiritual. In the physical, I I, I dealt with the darkness just a few days ago uh, because Lynn had taken down everything. She had cut all the boxes down, and they were about this high, all laying flat, but she had set them right next to the light switch in the living room. And I did what I normally do when I get up in the morning at five in the morning or so to go get my coffee. I, I, I don't turn lights on because I don't want to bother anybody. So I just, I'm used to the path. So I, I'm used to the path. And my, my right toes felt a whole new path as I walked up to the light switch. So both physical and spiritual lightness and darkness play an important role in our lives as we, as we make our way through this life. In Genesis, we find a discussion of the darkness in the physical realm. Genesis 1-2 says that the earth was formless and it was empty and darkness was over the surface of the, of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and then God said what? We know it. He said, let there be light. If I ever get a light controller, I'll have a little button. I can just turn them off and just go, let there be light, and it'll come on. And a great illustration. But Genesis 1 2, it indicates that before light was created by God, darkness had already been created as a first principle. It was, it was already there. The darkness had already it was in existence before God called the light into being. Let there be light. But many people say that, you know, they feel like God, the first thing he created was light. But if God created everything and the darkness existed prior to God's calling the light into existence, this means that God had to have created the darkness first. First, the darkness was present, and then God called into being the light. It might be said that the original function of darkness was to serve as a help structure, a supporting cast for the light. This is before we would think in terms of spiritual darkness. This is physical darkness. There's a place for both. The original purpose of darkness was to help the light be seen, to help the light stand out, to help the light reach its height and function by providing a backdrop of that light. We, we use it in theater when we would do plays and, and church plays and all that. Uh, the very thing that we would want would be to have a, a, a dark background, a black background, so that we can uh, project light to it and it'll give definition to the, the color and the different scenes that you, that you show. So we, we needed a, a dark black, a black light uh, or a black background. We used to go when we couldn't, we couldn't afford anything. So we'd go buy the big rolls of black plastic and, and, and we would cover the whole place with black plastic and the whole church smelled like a, 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 a what do they call it? a leaf bag or a, you know, a, a trash bag. The whole church smelled like that plastic and uh, people would be like, this is a great play, but it smells like a trash bag in here. But that's what we would use the, uh, to create the black backdrop. 
We all know that light is best seen in darkness. So when God created darkness, God created it to have a, a, specific, a specific function, and that function was to help the light irradiate in, 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 in the most brilliant manner possible to see the light. The light best shines when it has a, a dark backdrop. The, the darkness has, was originally intended to embrace the light Surround the light, provide the light with a black canopy of canvas against which the light would greatly stand out. The original purpose of physical darkness as created by God is to function in harmony with the light so that the light and darkness would complement each other, work together in a collaborative manner, not be against one another, but work in conjunction one with another. It was not necessary for the darkness to say to the light, I'm better than you or I'm greater than you, I'm more desirable than you, God prefers me more than you. There was no reason for the darkness to to overcome the light, no reason for the darkness to set up a conspiracy to take the light from the light because the light could only do its best work in conjunction with the darkness. So in the beginning, the darkness and the light were, they were kind of like husband and wife. They were opposite poles of the same principle. They function as closely knit unit in creation, each complementing and beautifying each other, each providing the other with the necessary support, each adoring and adorning the other with the elements to help each do its best work. If you want to know how we work as husbands and wives, that's how we work, in complement one to another. This is the function of light and darkness In the physical realm, this is what God intended in the first creation. The darkness and the light became soulmates, helpmates in created uh, order of creation. Each would function according to God's master plan of the universe. Each would function with its appointed task with equal hours in creation. You can change the hours any way you want. You're still going to have the same amount of light as you do dark. Each would keep watch over certain portions of the earth in its equally allotted time slot. But something happened, and it kind of changed all that in some ways. Scripture says that God began to set into the universe qualities or gradations of light. Genesis 1-4 says that God said that the light was good and separated the light from the darkness, separated it. Note that God did not say the darkness was good, but that the light was good. God called the light day and the darkness night. We also find in Genesis 1.14 that God began further to separate the day and the night and he used them to mark the seasons and the days and the years. And God put lights in the sky in the forms of stars. Genesis 1.16 says that God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. Greater lights and lesser lights. While God had created those two realities initially to coexist in harmony, we find that the conditions, they are set into motion to place night and day at odds with each other. Note that in Genesis 1.31, God saw all that God had made and it was very good. All that he had made. According to God, light and darkness were good because he created them. But somehow the darkness did not comprehend this fact of creation. And, and, and the struggle of light and darkness was established 
in the physical realm. The, the struggle of light and darkness would translate into every, every realm of creation. Perhaps the darkness had a, a problem with God calling the light good, and, but God not calling the darkness good. Why is it good and I'm not good? Why is the light good but I'm not good? Whatever the case may be, I, I, I play with this a little bit. The terms and the conditions of the war of light and darkness, they were set into creation where darkness and light were originally created to function and coexist in harmony. When, when God began separating them and valuing them, the terms for the struggle between light and darkness began. In the beginning, they were created as soulmates. But as God began to separate them, jealousy and envy and competition set in between these entities. The darkness became envious of the light because God called it good. The darkness became envious of light because the light would have first priority. Hey man, that's my seat. I was here first. Who who said that you could have that? You know, God said there would be day first and then night. The darkness may not have liked being put in second place, in second order, in playing second fiddle. Uh, I remember I had a few people along over the years that would ask me, hey, you're going to be an associate forever? Uh, do you like being playing second fiddle to a pastor? I, I never saw it that way. It was really a strange way of asking me about my future, you know. And I always felt, my, my pastor always made me feel very co-equal with him as servants of God. And, and yet there's that in the mix. Hey, are you always going to be in second place? I always felt like I'm going to be wherever God wants me to be. The darkness may not have liked this because it was here first. I was here first. The darkness existed before God created light, and now the light would be first in the form of day and darkness second in the form of night. Light and darkness, they were established in the first creation, and by naming the light good and by making a day greater light and a night lesser light, the terms were set for the struggle of light and darkness in physical creation. In, in the physical realm, darkness and light have been forever in competition, struggling. And, and that struggle, it translates into humanity, right into our spiritual creation, into the war of darkness and light for the souls of humankind. We find that Adam and Eve sinned not only because they disobeyed God, but also because the darkness won over Adam and Eve's souls, because the competition for war of light and darkness have been set into motion since creation, resulting in good and evil. Adam and Eve, they fell into spiritual darkness by their sin against God. The war for men's and women's souls in the spiritual realm had, had been set at creation in the garden, resulting in Adam and Eve's loss of light. They allowed the reality of darkness to overcome the light of God in them. And with the coming of Jesus, though, we find that God is trying to reestablish the supremacy of that light in the souls of humankind. God's not trying to recreate physical creation, but recreate the configuration of, a, of the souls and spirits of humankind because there's so much darkness that the light threatens to snuff out or overcome the light that dwells within us. So God sent another light into the world. It's the light which was also present in creation. But now it's a light shining in the souls and the hearts of God's people. God sent Christ to the world so that the light could, could regain its power and preeminence in the souls of God's people. 
These powers of darkness, they don't like light, but they can't put it out. Have you found that, that the darkness doesn't appreciate the light? And so in the spiritual realm, we find the gospels of John, the gospel of John, that God has brought a a, a great light in the form of Christ, a, a light of hope love, joy, forgiveness, and spiritual prosperity. And and those who are called followers of Jesus, those who bear witness to that light, we must continue to let the light shine in the darkness. We must not let it be snuffed out. We must war against the, the, the spiritual darkness that is near us, around us, and let our light shine. John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John says, a light shines in the darkness. And number one, the darkness cannot overpower the light. You'll find that in your bulletins and even on the screen at some point, the darkness cannot overpower the light. That's number one. You see, it can't put it out, cannot absorb it, cannot appropriate it. It cannot be receptive to it. This is the word to those in the new creation of Christ. The spiritual darkness is threatening to blow your light out. And as long as you have the light of Christ in your life, the light can never be snuffed out. Stop hiding your light under the bushel. Isaiah says, arise, shine for your light has come. You see, many whom God has thoroughly and tremendously blessed are still struggling with whether to shine that light. They still apologize to people for what God has given them. For too long now, they have sold their souls to the darkness. They have allowed the darkness to overcome their light. and They've reduced their spiritual brilliance in order to let the darkness feel more comfortable. We see that in the world that we live I better not talk about that. That might make them uncomfortable. I might get in trouble for shining my light. Should I carry my Bible to school with me? I might get looked at weird. I wouldn't want to offend anybody. It's really the kind of world that we live in, dimming our lights well, I don't want them to be uncomfortable. We at times have hidden our light under a bushel because the darkness has threatened to overcome our light. We at times have retreated to our sanctuaries to not be in the world, but to come away from the world. See, we're called to be not of the world, but certainly in the world, sharing our, our light the light of Jesus. The Amplified Translation says that we must remember to continue shining our light. It's not a one-time deal. Some would say, well, I'm not really an evangelist. That's all right. He just called us to shine our lights. Well, my giftedness is, you know, we've separated all of our giftings to where we we don't always shine our light. But the Word says that we should continue Continue shining our light. First of all, because the darkness cannot overpower it. 
It can't. Overpower is a word because it is a key word because it suggests allowing our light to be overpowered through spiritual, physical, or psychological intimidation. And those are real things out there. But the light, the, the darkness cannot overpower us. In this postmodern, post Christian world that we live, the people of God have been intimidated. Our witness, our testimony in general has been reduced to just a, a flicker of light at times. The Bible says a light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overpower it. Each of us may have people or forces in our lives in the world that we live who have tried to instill fear in us, intimidate us into reducing our flame, but we shouldn't give in to that kind of, that, that kind of prominence. We shouldn't give the darkness that kind of uh, prominence in our lives. All they want to do is overpower you. The enemy wants to overpower you, threaten you, and discourage you from shining your light. I would just say, let your light shine. Look at the world we live in. People, they're afraid. They're afraid. They're they're paranoid and suspicious and unhappy because they have allowed the forces of darkness to overpower them. To say, eh, just, you need to settle down. Just have a seat. People can't walk the streets anymore in darkness for fear of their lives. Spiritual darkness has so overcome and overpowered our lives that we're, we're often afraid to stand for right, for truth, for justice. We are afraid to stand for the light. We sometimes are afraid and intimidated because the darkness has overpowered us. But the word says that it can't. And we're running scared sometimes, but people of God, we got to shine our light. For a light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overpower that light. Second, the darkness cannot put out your light. It can't put out your light. Just as overpowering suggests spiritual and physical and even psychological intimidation to keep you from shining your light, you have to have your light put out is to allow the spiritual, physical, and psychological forces to annihilate our lights, and it can't do that. Not only do they want to overpower your light, if they can, they will eliminate or annihilate or obliterate our light. The enemy enemy will stop at nothing to put your light completely out. That's the challenge for some of us today. We allow the forces of envy and evil and injustice to put our lights out completely so that we no longer have joy no longer have confidence, assurance, and trust in God. This year, in this, our new decade, we must stop allowing the forces of evil, envy, and deceit, the power, those powers to put out our lights. God made each of us intelligent and productive and worthwhile people and no person, no power, no principality has the right to snuff out that light, to put the light out. But if you have the light of Christ in you, it is an inextinguishable flame. It is imperishable. It cannot be put out. A woman announced to her husband, I have had a problem with the car today. You ever been told that? Lynn told me that one time. I said, well, what's wrong with it? She says, well, I put on the brakes and it turns left. I said, okay, (laughs) we got some work to do on the car. But this woman, she said, I have a problem with the car today. And and her husband asked her, "Well, well, what went wrong? Well, the oil pressure warning light kept coming on. She says, but don't worry, I fixed it. He said, what do you mean you fixed it? She said, well, 
You don't have to know much about a car to take out a little light bulb. I should have switched those roles, shouldn't I? You see, we don't accomplish our roles as Christians by removing ourselves from the world, by retreating. But we accomplish our purpose in Christ by shining our lights bright, by by standing for righteousness, by sharing the good news, by participating in in endeavors to help the poor, to help those that are in in need, and, and to be a service to those who can't help themselves. You see, the darkness cannot overpower your light. The darkness cannot put out your light. The word says that greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. It cannot overpower light. It can't put our light out. And number three, the darkness cannot absorb your light. It is not able to do Absorbing your light means that there's, there are spiritual, physical, and psychological forces that will saturate you. You can think about certain things in your life that, that tend to try to do this darkness. And those motivated by the darkness, they can't overpower your light through intimidation. We can only give that to them, but it can't do that. They can't put your light out through an annihilation, so they try to absorb your light through saturation to, to just kind of dilute, dilute our light, to saturate our light. These forces are a little more diplomatic and discreet. They don't use outright scare tactics like the intimidators and the annihilators. They use guile and cunning and because they smile in your face and then they stab you in your back. And then they shake your hand with their finger on the trigger. They are not strong or bold enough to tell you to your face that they are against you, so they try to absorb and saturate your light by undermining your light through covert means. They, they ingratiate themselves with you, and they make you feel like you're one of them so as to saturate your light. Your light, the light of Christ that's within you already outshines that evil, that, that darkness. But since they couldn't intimidate or annihilate, they saturate you under the guise of legitimacy and goodness. People of God, let your light shine. Don't let the saturators steal your light. These saturators are everywhere. They're on the job. They might be in your home, even sometimes in the church. I can't even imagine it, but sometimes I I came from somewhere long ago that that had this always trying to, to pull in close and settle it down, settle it down. It was a very frustrating time in my spiritual life. You see, the darkness cannot overpower your light. The darkness cannot put out your light and the darkness cannot absorb your light. And number four, the darkness can't control the light. It can't control it. After intimidation, annihilation, and saturation, you think that folks would somewhere, they'd just go sit down somewhere and and just kind of leave you alone. But there's another group of light killers. They try to control or, or correct your light. They use spiritual, physical, and psychological forces to legislate your light. They, they do it through the group process. <laughs> they, they, uh, they have a committee mandate through legal admonition and stipulation. They, they, can't, they can't intimidate you. They, they can't annihilate your, your light or saturate you. So the next logical thing to do is to legislate or control your light out of existence under the pretext of making things better for everybody. I make a motion that, is there a second? 
Second, all in favor? I see you've all been on board, haven't you? <laughs> the light dowsers begin to use labels to devalue you as a person. Words such as arrogant, not a team player, overqualified, militant, aloof, distant, unapproachable, upstart, egotistical. I, I've got, I've been called at least three of those names, not here that I know of, but along the way, at least three. Anybody make it to four? Don't raise your hand. But these words are used to devalue your worth so that they can legislate your light right out of existence. Their whole design is to get you to lower your opinion of yourself, make you think you're boasting because you shine the light that God gave you. They want you to feel bad about being a bright light for God. So they use plots and strategies to get you to lower your expectations and your standards of yourself and others around you. They specialize in bringing out the worst in you because they have such a low opinion of themselves. Watch out for the legislators of light, the controllers of your shining light. They'll vote you, they'll vote your light right out of right out of service. The legislators cannot appropriate this light. Stop trying to fit into those around you. Sometimes you have to go along to get along, but don't sell out to to God, to the enemy. Don't trade in your soul for a few glad moments of cheap grace. God has given you a light uh, that shines. it's, It's to shine at all times, especially in the darkness. Don't compromise the light. Don't let those darkness, uh, the darkness around you uh, who are intimidated and, and, and envious of your light. Don't let them trick you into appropriating the, what God has given you. Folks, just shine your light in this new year. Lastly, as you look back on 2019 and make any changes for this coming year and perhaps even the decade, know this, that a light shines in the darkness. And number five, the darkness cannot be receptive to that light. You'll never win it over. It'll never be won over. It can't be receptive to the light. You see, since since those forces can't intimidate or annihilate or saturate or control your light, now they outright repudiate your light. They come against your light. They're light quenchers. They come against your light, totally unreceptive to the, the, the light that you want to shine forth. Now they outright repudiate any of your light. Not to accept something is to repudiate, to reject something that's completely useless. Whatever you do, those of darkness will be unreceptive to it. There are low lights who are so insecure, so self-satisfied, so envious, so jealous, so low in their self-esteem that no matter what you do, they will never be receptive to the light that is within you. Just pray for them. Just pray. Don't, Don't come against them. Just pray for them. You can even cry for them. You can go to the second, third, fourth, and fifth miles for them. You can wine and dine them. You can placate them, elevate them, and cozy up next to them, and they will still have a problem with you. They repudiate everything you do or ever try, ever try to do right out of existence because they really don't have a concern for the light shining in and through you. They're not worried about how you feel or about, how, about your well-being as a person, so now they are downright unreceptive to you. But keep... Letting your light shine. 
Don't turn it off. Don't put it out. Don't let the spiritual, physical, emotional, and psychological forces and powers of this world intimidate you, annihilate or saturate you, or legislate you or repudiate you because there's a light shining in the darkness and the darkness cannot overpower it. It cannot put it out. It cannot absorb it. It cannot appropriate it. Or, 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 and it, it will never be receptive to the light that we share. So this year, 2020, be what God's called you to be. Let your light shine. God gave you the light in the first place. There are forces that want to take the light from you, but they can't. You see, God wants to use you as a bright light for his glory. So if you love it, give it. You got a talent, develop it. A a gift, share it. A seed, plant it. A harvest, reap it. A a, a mind, use it. A test, ace it. Money, invest it. A problem, solve it. An obstacle, handle it. A trial, win it. A book, read it. Fruit, bear it. A hat, wear it. A thorn, prick it. A a tree, pick it. A a task, do it. A, A song, sing it. A business, grow it. A poem, write it. A project, complete it. A light, shine it. A church, serve it and support it. Amen. This is the year to shine. It's a new year. The slate's all clean. So let your light shine. Use what God has given you or lose what God has given you. Let your light shine for Christ. There, there is a, a light shining in the darkness and the darkness cannot overpower it, put it out, absorb it, control it, and it'll never be receptive to it. So let the light shine. Just as the physical darkness perhaps got jealous when God said the light was good and separated them from each other. God has called you to be separate, apart, because you have something really good. You have something really good. God gave you light. Shine your light. God didn't call you to compromise your gifts, your talents, and your skills to make the darkness comfortable. Let your light shine for Jesus. Uh, Watch as God blesses your efforts to shine. Put Christ first and foremost in your life and, and the light, the eternal flame. Let him light the eternal flame of goodness for you and for those that are around you. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Tinez, let your light shine this year, starting today. Keep your light shining in Jesus' name. Stand with me, will you? Father, we just wanna give you thanks, Lord, because we were born into a dark world, but the light was sent. The shining light was sent, the light of Christ that was with you from the very beginning. There are those that want to dampen our light. There are those that want to, to, to douse our light, to, to have us just kind of sitting back and don't be so crazy. Lord, I pray that you would have our light flow from us like never before this year. May we be the light that shines like a city on a hill, hilltop right here at the edge of the mountain. May our lights reach others. Might it be inviting to others and may they want to come and find out what's going on with these God's people. Help us to shine our lights, Lord. You gave it. We want to use it for your glory, for your goodness. Thank you for the light, Lord. Bless as we go from this place. May we shine the light as we leave from here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you in 2020. Go be light shiners. Amen.